The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now? How are you now? How are you now, folks? We got our first real, uh, well, not quite a barn burner, but a heck of an entertaining preseason game there between the Montreal Canadiens and the Winnipeg Jets. Hello and welcome to another special preseason episode of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and that one was very entertaining, folks. Not upset about the fact that the Montreal Canadiens blew a lead and ended up losing by a score of 4-3 to three in the third period, but more impressed overall at the, the, the quality of that game from an entertainment standpoint. I mean, it, it stood in stark contrast to that game against the Leafs. This one was actually legitimately entertaining, and I'm kind of excited to do a bit of a recap on this one because for once I've got quite a few goals to actually go through. First time in the preseason that I've actually had you know, more than two or three goals to talk about and at least this time we had three Montreal Canadiens goals to talk about. So it all started in the first period. Habs get a power play relatively early on and uh, Kirby Doc up near the point. He just leaves it for Caden Gooley. Caden Gooley comes down the wall and snipes from inside the face-off circle to make it one nothing for the Montreal Canadiens. More on Caden Gooley later, for sure. But it's one nothing. We're doing well. What a shot by Caden Gooley. Of course, the Jets get it back pretty quickly. Uh, Evan Pole, uh, he gets it back at the side of the net. Bit of a weird play, kind of deflects to him in the back door. Uh, nothing Jake Allen could do about that one. He taps it in, makes it 1-1. And then we go into the second period. In the second period, the Jets would take the lead. Only one goal in the frame. It belongs to them. There was a missed trip on Arbor Jackai. He got tripped coming around behind his own net. Uh, play goes on. Didn't love the way that Jackai was running around pissed off about that missed trip. Uh, of course, Cole Meyer uh, gets a bit of a softy on Caden Primo from the side of the net. and Kind of a similar position that uh, Pole was in when he scored his goal. Um, really felt like Primo probably should have had that one. But um, what are you going to do? It's 2-1 to one for the Winnipeg Jets. And we go into the third period, which is where this one turned into a barn burner, folks. The Habs took them a little while to get the game tied up, but they did eventually get a power play. Now, the way that they got that power play was a little bit infuriating. There was this whole play between Logan Stanley and Kirby Doc where Logan Stanley basically mauled Kirby Doc, and for whatever reason, they called coincidental minors. So we go to four on four. But then Christian Dvorak gets high-sticked in the face, and now we have a four-on-three for the Montreal Canadiens, and it was a four-minute penalty that was called 
So it's an extended four on three because after that, obviously, once the coincidentals are over, there's still going to be time on the clock for Montreal to continue their power play. So the power play is just going to be out there for a little bit for Montreal, and it works. Cole Caulfield, couple of shots. He keeps getting blocked, but then one of his shots get blocked, pops up in the air, I don't know, 20 feet in the air maybe, maybe even more, comes down, and Brennan Gallagher just bats it out of the air into the net. Typical Brennan Gallagher goal makes it 2-2. Two to two. And then not long after that, Habs still on the power play. Remember, we had a four-minute called on the high stick on Christian Dvorak. So they're still rolling. <clears throat> Brendan Gallagher feeds Cole Caulfield on the entry. Cole Caulfield just walks in, snipes. Low, hard, precise shot to make it 3-2 to two for the Montreal Canadiens. And we're starting to feel like, whoo, we might actually win this one. We might get our first win of the preseason, but... It was not to be in this one. Uh, Brad Lambert would find the score sheet. He stole the puck from Evgeny Dadanov in the offensive zone uh, and sniped one of his own uh, to make it 3-3. And then with like 20 seconds on the clock, I don't even know if it was 20 seconds, uh, might have been less than that, Nate Schmidt fires one, makes it 4-3 for Winnipeg. The Habs went down the ice afterwards and they they tried with barely any time left on the clock to tie that thing up but unfortunately not a whole lot that they could do and that was how it ended four to three for the Winnipeg Jets but what did we learn I mean we're talking about practice we're talking about practice not the game not the games that actually matter we're talking about practice so the big question that we have to ask is what did we learn and who did we like and I'll tell you this Folks, I liked, and I think we should like, Caden Gooley. He was magnificent in that game, man. And it wasn't just the goal. The, the goal, I already described it, you know, comes down uh, down the wall, gets into the face-off circle, and just fires a perfect shot. His wrister's underrated, man. It's, it's a very good wrist shot. But it was more than that. It was the physicality as well. He had a couple of really good hits on the night. I'm going to put some highlights into the article on Habs Eyes and the Prize so you guys can check those out if you didn't get a chance to take in the game. He is pro-ready. That's all I can really say. He's he's 100% pro-ready. I don't know what his ceiling is this season in terms of point production. Um, I, I think it, it might leave a little bit to be desired because, let's face it, he's not going to score a goal like that every game. And this team is probably not going to be very good. But what we need to look at here is, you know, is there six defensemen better than him on the roster right now? I asked that same question when I wrote his top 25 under 25 profile. And I said, I don't think there is. And after watching these couple of games in the preseason, of course, the rookie tournament and everything, I really don't think that there is. He was better than David Savard in that game, his partner. And David Savard is a lock. He's going to be on the Montreal Canadiens this season. I think he could be better overall throughout the course of his career than anybody that they have right now. I'm not saying that he needs to come in and be number one right away. But what I am saying is I don't think that they have six defensemen better than him right now. And as a result, I think they have no choice. I think they're going to have to put him on the roster on opening night. And they're going to have to let him cook a little bit in the NHL. If he gets sent down at some point and he plays some time in Laval, I don't think that's a bad thing. But this guy, a a lot of people love to make the comparison to Shea Weber, right? Shea Weber could never, at any point in his career, even at his peak, skate the way that Gooley does. Now, Gooley, on the other hand, he doesn't have the clapper that Shea Weber had. And I don't think he's as physical as Shea Weber. 
but he has the physicality. He's got a better wrist shot, which he likes to use a lot more, and, he, and he's a better skater. He's more prototypical, I guess, for today's game than Shea Weber was. And again, I'm not trying to knock Shea Weber. I'm just saying I think we have a legitimate gem in this kid, and I, I really don't see a universe where he's not playing most of his games with the Montreal Canadiens this season. Something to get excited about with that kid. Something to get excited about because I really think he's going to come into his own and, and we're, we're going to see the future of the Montreal Canadiens develop through him. And uh, fun times ahead. Fun times ahead, man. That was a fun game and it was fun to see him performing in that game. Uh, who else really impressed me in that game? Who else? Hmm. Let me think for a minute. How about Cole Caulfield? I mean, the power play has been a problem for the Montreal Canadiens forever. We know this. Anybody who's followed the team for longer than 10 years, or even longer than 20 years, it's been a while since the team had a really effective power play. When's the last time that they were actually good? I tried to rack my brain and think about it, and I, the last time that I felt like we had you know, an automatic power play was back when Sheldon Sure was the focal point. And he was taking clappers from the point. And that was in, like, what, 2002? I, I don't even remember. I'd have to I'd really have to go and research it a little bit. There was a year where Sheldon Surrey scored, like, 29 goals. And I think most of them were on the power play. And that was the last time that I can remember them having, like, an automatic. Like, I felt every time, like, a penalty was called, like, Ooh, we're going to get a goal. I'm not saying that we're at that point with Cole Caulfield. But... It's definitely different than you've ever seen. The first goal, right? Caulfield had multiple opportunities. They're clearly keying on him and trying to put people in his shooting lanes. And it's working. They blocked the first couple of shots that he took. But there's only so much that you can do, right? He gets a couple of shots blocked. Third one gets blocked. And then all of a sudden, your net front guy in Gallagher is just left standing there all alone because they're committing so much attention to trying to stop Cole Caulfield from shooting. And then, of course, the second goal, right? You can't always stop him from shooting. You can't always be in the lane. If you get him enough space to the point where nobody's in front of him, what is he going to do? I mean, he's going to take that space, and he's going to shoot with it, and that's exactly what he did, and he put it in. Two power play goals, both of them very much authored by Cole Caulfield. I think that, especially with Martin St. Louis coaching this team, I think they're going to get to a point where this power play is going to be lethal. Um I don't think it's necessarily going to be enough this season to get them into the playoffs. Uh, like I've said, I expect them to be bad, but it's it's building blocks, right? It's if we can get a really good power play going this season, if we can get a, you know, at least be middle of the road and then keep working on it moving forward, then once this team actually gets to a point where they have a roster construction capable of making the playoffs, they're going to have that power play as an asset that puts them over the top. Right, what always held this team back during the Carey Price years? An inability to score goals. Scoring goals in the power play is a great way to put yourself in a position uh, to, to end up winning a cup. So uh, good news on that front, man. Cole Caulfield looks ready to go. I'm excited to see him get going. Brendan Gallagher, really good. I don't think that him and Cole Caulfield are going to be playing together too much, but maybe on the power play, I mean, definitely. Very excited to see Brennan Gallagher this season. He's one of the candidates for a big bounce back year after last year. And so far in the preseason, he's looking ready to go as well. So another one that we can get excited about a little bit and seeing maybe a bit of a bounce back, right? A little bit of a redemption year out of him. And, uh, oh, they just announced some cuts. 
Joshua Wyatt and uh, Riley Kidney have been sent back to the queue. Not all that surprising. I, I guess I should comment on both of them. I thought they both played pretty solid games, pretty effective games uh, against the Jets. Neither of them were spectacular, um, and it's also not surprising whatsoever they're being sent back to the queue. Joshua Wyatt, anybody who listens to this podcast knows I'm very high on that kid, but I've always maintained you know, he was going to be back in the queue at some point this season. I kind of hoped he was going to get a couple of regular season games, but I see why that's not possible. Um, he's going to go down. He's going to dominate. And I think Riley Kidney's in for a big year as well. Both those guys probably going to pop up at the World Juniors and uh, and end up doing some excellent things, hopefully, and uh, getting a back-to-back gold medal for Team Canada. That would be something, wouldn't it? If we had two Montreal Canadiens prospects as big parts of that team, that would be excellent. Anyways, back to the game. There was two other forwards that I wanted to talk about real quick. Uh, Kirby Dock had a really good game. Um, he had the assist, of course, on Caden Gooley's goal in the first and really should have drawn a penalty um, with that Logan Stanley bullshit uh, in the third period. But, of course, the fucking refs decided for whatever reason that they had to give him a holding penalty even though he did no such thing. Um, I thought he was extremely effective um, throughout that game. Definitely gave me a lot of hope that maybe, you know, as a reclamation project for the Montreal Canadiens, Maybe it's true what Jonathan Taves had to say that, you know, he didn't really get his chance in Chicago. And now Montreal gets the opportunity to find out if that's the case. Love it. Can't wait to see it. Right? There's not a lot of risk involved in that move for the Montreal Canadiens. He doesn't command a whole lot of dollars and uh, he'll be a restricted free agent at the end of the contract. So, brilliant move. Love it. Um, Also, Christian Dvorak had two assists in the game. He assisted on two different goals. I didn't even notice the first one until I checked the box score afterwards. I did notice the second one. But the first one, he actually got an assist. Uh, He was the one that passed it over to Cole Caulfield before he took the shot that got deflected up and onto the stick of Brendan Gallagher to bat it in. And he also assisted on the second one uh, on the power play as well with Cole Caulfield. So Dvorak is another guy. You know, interesting case, right? The Habs paid a first-round pick in order to go out and get him. And last year was... You know, he spent a lot of time injured, so it was tough to evaluate him, really. You couldn't really say that they lost that trade because we really don't know what we got in Christian Dvorak yet. We didn't really get a chance to actually see him play. So it's going to be nice if he can stay healthy this season to find out what he's worth. And when I say find out what he's worth, I mean that in two different ways, right? Is he worth more to us through the rebuild as part of the team or is he worth more to us as a deadline piece that we can move on and maybe stack some picks or or stack some NHL ready prospects out of I don't know I will say if he can contribute like that on the power play with uh, with a lot of assists um, and he's very physical out there uh, draw drew a penalty as well by taking that high stick he's a big dude uh, kind of fits within the mold of centers that a lot of teams might be looking for there are options with Christian Dvorak whether he's part of your rebuild or he's a trade piece you've got options and that's the nice thing the Habs need options right now Um, who else anybody else that I wanted to talk about Um, Arbor Jackai Arbor Jackai had a quiet game. Uh, again, my, my biggest issue with that game was the way that he acted after he after the refs missed that trip on him. Uh, they should have called that trip. It is fucking horseshit that they didn't call that trip. It was right close to the net. Uh, both refs had a very good angle at it, and I don't understand why. Why did they have to let that go? Because it was enough to influence the play where it kind of led to the goal, but at the same time, 
my bigger issue there was that he was running around pissed off, t- took a couple of whacks at, at, I think, two different guys because he was upset about that penalty not being called. And I think that's the number one thing in his game that he needs to weed out is those discipline issues, right? It's like something bad happens on the ice. Get on your horse and, and focus on defense, right? Do your job. I understand how frustrating it is to see refs miss calls. I know. I literally sit and yell into a microphone for money about the Montreal Canadiens. So I think, you know, I know a thing or two about being upset about refs, but I'm not a professional athlete. So I don't know what it's like to be him. I can't necessarily put myself in his shoes, but I will say I wish for him that he could get a handle on that and just turn around and go, you know what, instead of being pissed off and not focusing on actually trying to D up and stop that goal from happening, you know, put yourself in a position where when the puck hits that guy's stick and he's about to put it in at the side of the net, that you could put a wallop on him and stop him from doing that. That's the best revenge you could give, right? The refs fuck up and they don't call a penalty that they're supposed to call. And then you put yourself right back into position and you stop a potential goal by just putting the body on somebody. Man, I, I, I got to think that you'll feel a lot better about that than you will about standing there watching it go in and then just being pissed off that they didn't make the call, right? Outside of that one play, he had a very effective game. He moves the puck well, and he seems to be picking his spots way better when it comes to making hits. He had a couple of really nice hits, but they weren't you know, eye-popping, crazy, TSN, highlight-of-the-night type hits. They were just effective, separate-the-player-from-the-puck type hits. So he's picking his spots better. He's getting smarter as he plays more reps of pro hockey. And I think that's going to continue. But for me, um, you know, looking at the landscape, again, the silver lining of the night, the best player of the night for the Habs, Caden Gooley. He's probably going to make the team. Arbor Jacki, I don't think there's going to be space for him. So I think the best place for him is going to be go down to Laval, fine-tune that a little bit, try to get a handle on those discipline issues, and hopefully maybe next season we could see you up with the big club. Who knows? You're going to get a shot. And if there's injuries and you play well in Laval, you might get a shot this year as well. Make yourself undeniable. Get rid of those lingering issues that you've got going on and make yourself undeniable to this team. That's all I got to say. I love Arbor Jacki, though. I really wish he would have fought Logan Stanley. I tweeted it out. I said, you know, if they're on the ice again, at the same time, there might be some fireworks, and I don't think they got the opportunity. Um, But also the Habs were trying to get, well, they were trying to hold a lead, and then after that, they lost the lead, and they had 20 seconds to get it back. So um, end of the day, kind of wish it happened. It didn't happen, but maybe it'll happen in the future. Who knows? (laughs) Anyways, I'm going to cut it off there because we are running uh, over 18 minutes into 19 minutes at this point. So, sensuari énorme pour les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify, uh, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine.